Today is Wednesday, March 4th, 2022. This is the Link NKY Daily Podcast. I'm Matt Spaulding, and these are the headlines we're following today. Kentucky's fetal heartbeat law will be triggered if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Reported on by Caitlin Gebby and Mark Payne. If Roe v. Wade is overturned following the leaked draft of a Supreme Court opinion this week, Kentucky's fetal heartbeat bill that passed in 2019 would be automatically triggered, meaning all abortions would essentially be banned in the state. In the Supreme Court draft, it would be left up to the states as to how they would handle abortion access. While the decision isn't final, it is most likely to come in the next few months. The majority of Kentuckians are against overturning Roe v. Wade, and this news of the leaked Supreme Court document is appalling for many reasons, said Representative Rachel Roberts at Democrat Newport. This decision shows no concern for women or victims of rape and incest who will be forced to give birth as a result of these laws and decisions. The Kentucky law would require any doctor performing an abortion to determine whether a fetus has a, quote, detectable fetal heartbeat, and if one is detected, prevent them from performing an abortion. If this opinion is the final issued opinion, then Kentucky's trigger law will kick in, which bans all abortion, said Josh Douglas, an election law and voting rights professor at the University of Kentucky. For now, women still have access to an abortion in Kentucky while the Supreme Court ruling hangs in the balance. Abortion is still safe and legal in Kentucky, but last night's leaked opinion makes it clear that our deepest fears are coming true. Abortion access is at a crisis point, said Rebecca Gibbon, CEO of Planned Parenthood Great Northwest Hawaii, Alaska, Indiana, and Kentucky. The threat to abortion access across the country is not hypothetical. Our right to abortion is being crushed right now. In April, a Kentucky judge issued a temporary restraining order against House Bill 3, the omnibus abortion bill that passed the Kentucky legislature earlier this year. The bill temporarily halted abortion services in Kentucky in April. We've already gotten a preview of what comes next in Kentucky as we watch the state go dark for eight days on abortion access because of sweeping abortion restrictions passed by the Kentucky General Assembly, Gibran said. What's coming is dangerous and will open the floodgates for states across the country to ban abortion, devastating communities nationwide. In a statement, Senator Mitch McConnell was concerned with the breach of the Supreme Court opinion, and other GOP members are following suit. But Douglas thinks that while the leak is unprecedented, the story is about the gutting of abortion rights. It's unprecedented to have a draft opinion like this leaked to the public, Douglas said. It underscores the unprecedented nature of the decision undoing a case that people have relied on for decades. The story is, of course, the gutting of the right to abortion and the change in constitutional law it pretends, but the leak reinforces that story. Roberts recently shared her story of being raped as a 14-year-old girl. The story isn't something Roberts expected to share or relive so frequently, but she said it paints a picture of who is impacted by the overturning of Roe v. Wade. When I share my story, I ask people to think of a girl at 14 forced to carry a rapist's baby, Roberts said. I'm giving them a personalized view of who these laws truly affect, including those who have survived violent crimes only to be violated again by the state, a state, in our case, that has simultaneously cut support for families, childcare, and contraception. So what does a judge executive do? Reported on by Haley Parnell. The judge executive is like the CEO of a county. While having no judicial power, the judge executive is the chair and a voting member of the fiscal court. Their main responsibilities are creating a county budget and administering the budget as approved by the fiscal court, oversight of the funds, appointing county personnel, and forming relationships with organizations and industry leaders that support their county. The judge executive serves a four-year term and may be re-elected indefinitely. 
According to the Commonwealth of Kentucky State Board of Elections, at the time of election, the candidate must be at least 24 years of age, a citizen of Kentucky, and have resided in the state for two years, one of which must be preceding the candidate's election in the county and district in which they are running. Salary for the judge executive is based on the population in their county and is intended to be a full-time job. Campbell, Kenton, and Boone counties fall within a population of 90,000 to 499,000 people that the Kentucky Association of Counties takes into consideration. Then the association bases the salary on one, two, or three-plus years spent in office. All three judge executives have served over three years. Based on the Kentucky Association of Counties, Kenton County Judge-slash-Executive Chris Knuckleman, Campbell County Judge Executive Steve Pendry, and Boone County Judge Executive Gary Moore make $120,160 per year. While other states have a type of governing executive, Kentucky is the only state with judge executives. All 120 counties in the state have their own judge executive. Steve Pendry has served as the Campbell County Judge Executive since November 1998, making this year his 24th year in office. Though some might argue this is a bad thing, Pendry said the position is not something you take turns doing. Pendry is running for re-election in this year's primaries. He faces opponent Anna Zinkhorn, who ran against Pendry in 2018. For more information on those candidates and their campaigns, visit linknky.com. Judge Executive receives administrative reports from directors whose offices utilize county funds such as animal shelters, external affairs, public works, technology services, and parks buildings, and grounds golf courses. The Fiscal Court also hears reports from the county attorney, commissioners, and the judge executive during meetings. The Fiscal Court votes on county ordinances, court orders, and resolutions. The judge executive is in charge of enforcing those and all contracts entered into by the Fiscal Court, as well as all state laws subject to enforcement by the judge executive. They are responsible for preparing and submitting an annual budget to the Fiscal Court and administering it when adopted by the Fiscal Court. The judge executive is also responsible for keeping the fiscal court aware of the financial condition and needs of the county. The position has the authority with the approval of the fiscal court to appoint, supervise, suspend, and remove county personnel. With the support of the fiscal court, a judge executive can make appointments to remove members from boards, commissions, and designated administrative positions. If an elected position was to sit vacantly, the judge executive could appoint someone to fill the position. An example of this occurred in 2015 when Campbell County Judge Executive Steve Pendry appointed current Campbell County Jailer Jim Daly after previous jailer Greg Buckler left his role. His position had yet to expire. The Judge Executive does not fill sheriff, county clerk, or jailer positions otherwise. However, they do create relationships with people to better their counties. A big part of the role involves forming relationships with organizations like Brighton Center and Emergency Shelter of Northern Kentucky that provides resources to people in the county and industry leaders such as Tank and the Northern Kentucky Water District that may affect the county. Fiscal court meetings are open to the public and anyone living within the county can address the court and judge executive with any complaints or concerns they might have. Union votes to regulate vacation rentals reported on by Caitlin Gebby. Owners of vacation rentals in Union will now need a business license starting in 2023. The Union City Commission passed an ordinance requiring an operating license for homeowners who rent out their property for short-term rental websites like Airbnb and VRBO. The new policy also includes a 2% occupational tax. The license is $50 and the ordinance goes into effect in January 2023. Union City Administrator David Plummer proposed the policy at the Union City Caucus meeting in April. 
He said doing so will allow the union to follow suit with other cities in the U.S. and prevent one area of the city from being oversaturated with vacation rentals. Plummer recommended a similar policy to that of Florence and Boone County's short-term rental regulations. The commission was concerned that having a policy at all was unnecessary and overreaching. In my opinion, we need to research this very carefully on our own. We should not just pick up what a community like Florence is doing or what Boone County is doing, Commissioner John Melford said. I have a real hard time telling a private homeowner what you can and cannot do on his property in his own house. I have a real hard time with that. Commissioner Jeremy Ramage said, It's almost like an HOA overstepping, with restrictions on how they want to use their property. The policy was approved 3-1, with Commissioner Eric Delaney voting no. Plummer argued that there is no zoning in union that allows short-term rentals to operate, given renting them means using a residential property as a business. There are just a handful of short-term rentals that appear in union according to vacation rental sites. This new policy may allow city officials to fully understand how many are in the area. NKU names Christina Roybal next vice president and director of athletics. Northern Kentucky University announced that Christina Roybal has been selected as the university's next vice president and director of athletics, effective July 1, 2022. Roybal succeeds Ken Bothoff, who announced his retirement earlier this year. NKU will introduce Roybal at a press conference on Thursday, May 5th at 10 a.m. at Truist Arena. Roybal comes to NKU from the University of Northern Iowa, where she has served as Senior Associate Athletic Director for Sports Administration since 2016. She also holds the title of Senior Woman Administrator and Deputy Title IX Coordinator. We are at an exciting moment in our athletic department's evolution, having achieved championship-level success both on and off the field, NKU President Ashish Vaidya said. We are confident that Christina's leadership and values will help elevate NKU athletics and continue to build on the success we have experienced at the Division I level. Roybal will lead an athletics department with 17 programs competing in Division I. Norse teams have reached the NCAA tournament five times since becoming eligible in 2016, including women's soccer in 2016, women's volleyball in 2019, and men's basketball in 2017, 2019, and 2020. Norse student-athletes also excel in the classroom, boasting 14 straight semesters with a cumulative department-wide GPA of 3.20 or better, and a current streak of eight consecutive semesters with a GPA better than 3.37. I am very excited and honored to serve as Northern Kentucky University's Vice President and Director of Athletics. I am grateful to President Dr. Ashish Vaidya, Vice President for Advancement Eric Gentry, and everyone involved with the search process, Roybal said. I believe NKU is a special place where student-athletes will excel academically and athletically and can build engaging and lasting relationships with the community. During this transformational time in college athletics and higher education, this is a prime opportunity to build on the great work that has been done to this point and become a more prominent member within the region. In her role at Northern Iowa, Royable serves as the primary administrator for 14 of the institution's 17 sports, including being responsible for budget development, expenditure, approvals, and maintaining compliance with an NCAA and Missouri Valley Conference regulations and standards, non-conference scheduling, and student-athlete conduct and welfare. Roybal serves on the Missouri Valley Conference's Long-Range Planning Committee, Sports Management Committee, and the MVC Joint Committee Sports Liaison to the Swimming and Diving and Tennis Coaches. Before her tenure at UNI, Roybal served for 10 years at Fresno State, where she held various roles, including interim senior women administrator and sports administrator for women's lacrosse, men's and women's tennis, and the creation of a women's water polo program. 
Her service at Fresno State began as a group sales coordinator in 2005, before rising through the ranks to assistant athletic director for administrative operations in 2015. On behalf of the Horizon League members, I am incredibly excited to welcome Christina to the league, Horizon League Commissioner Julie Rowe Latch said. She brings terrific energy and expertise in advancing the holistic student-athlete experience while moving an athletics department forward. NKU is such a strong and vibrant athletics department and university positioned for continued excellence and impact. Roybal holds a Bachelor of Arts in Health, Physical Education, and Recreation degree from St. Mary's College of California, as well as a pair of master's degrees from California State University Fresno in Kinesiology and Business Administration. She is an active member of the National Association of College Directors of Athletics, Minority Opportunities Athletic Association, and Women Leaders in College Sports. She is a graduate of the Institute of Administrative Advancement and Leadership Enhancement Institute. Roybal has two children, a son, Bailey, who is on the South Dakota State Wrestling Team, and a daughter, Nicolette, who is in the 8th grade. Local developer shows interest in former Drawbridge Insight, reported on by Jason Finnell. Since the Drawbridge Inn was raised several years ago in Fort Mitchell, the vacant parcel of land overlooking Interstate 75 has had its share of complaints. However, the Greenbrier Group, with its recent purchase of the former Montgomery Inn building, shared at Monday night's Fort Mitchell City Council meeting that it would like to breathe new life into the stretch of Royal Drive. Greenbrier has expressed interest in constructing an 11-story medical facility for transitional care at the former Inn site, in addition to a second mixed-use development. For now, City Council member Mary Burns is concerned with a number of trucks that have pulled off the interstate and onto the property, but City Administrator Edwin King notified her that these violators had been cited by the PDS. With the potential groundbreaking in two months on site, it is the City's hope these occurrences on the property may end sooner than later. Also at the meeting, police officers Matt Caudill and Bill Ryan received promotions to sergeant, formally taking an oath of office Monday evening in front of council and family members. Caudill thanked the department for the opportunity, while Ryan thanked everyone that's helped me through my 24 years in law enforcement. And those are the stories we're following for May 4th, 2022. For more on these stories and to see what else is happening in Northern Kentucky, please visit linknky.com.